सिलेंडर मू शी इज वन ऑफ द मोस्ट रिनाउंड पर्सनैलिटीज इन द वर्ल्ड ऑफ एनिमेशन मूवीज शी इज अमंग दोज फ्यू हु हैड वन एट एम ई फॉर देर एक्सेप्शनल वर्क शी इज अ प्रोडक्शन डिजाइनर एंड वर्क अपॉन सम ऑफ द बेस्ट मूवीज अराउंड द वर्ल्ड सम ऑफ दैम आर होटल ट्रांसलवेनिया हैरी पॉटर एज ऑफ सेल फॉर विच शी वन एन एम ई एंड एन एन अवॉर्ड बेलरीना लिटल प्रिंस एंड रिसेंट मास्टर पीस ओवर द मून विच इज करंटली द नंबर वन मूवी ऑन नेटफ्लिक्स एंड हैज बिन ऑल्सो नॉमिनेटेड फॉर ऑस्कर्स ट्वेंटी ट्वेंटी वन डिस्पाइट बींग सच एन अचीवर शी इज वेरी हम्बल एंड अ ग्रेट पर्सन टू टॉक टू ओवर दिस पॉडकास्ट वी नॉट ओनली टॉक अबाउट एनिमेशन बट ऑल्सो थिंग्स लाइक हर इंस्परेशन हर फेवरेट एनिमेज हर जर्नी फ्रॉम लिविंग विद एट अदर पीपल इन अ फ्लैट एंड वर्किंग ऑन एडवर्टाइजिंग प्रोजेक्ट्स जस्ट टू पे हर रेंट टू विनिंग एन एम ई इफ यू आर सम वन हु वॉन्ट्स टू वर्क इन एनिमेशन और वॉन्ट्स टू मेक अ करियर इन अ क्रिएटिव फील्ड और जस्ट फील लॉस्ट एंड डीमोटिवेटेड रिगार्डिंग योर करियर प्लीज जस्ट लिसन टू दिस पॉडकास्ट टिल द एंड आई एम श्योर यू गेट अ लॉट आउट ऑफ इट बिफोर स्टार्टिंग प्लीज फॉलो दिस पॉडकास्ट ऑन स्पॉटिफाई इफ यू आर लिस्टिंग इट ओवर दैट हिट द सब्सक्राइब बटन इफ यू आर लिस्टिंग इट ऑन गूगल पॉडकास्ट और हिट अ फाइव स्टार रेटिंग ऑन एपल पॉडकास्ट इफ यू आर यूजिंग दैट सो नाउ लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड so celine dermo uh, welcome to sangal speaks uh, i am glad that you are here and first of all uh, thanks for actually replying to my dms on instagram uh, first of all thanks for that uh, i got to know about you from one of the video on i saw on insider on this youtube channel in which you told about how the lighting works in an animated movie and how how important it is for uh, these movies and i was really amazed by that i was really moved because i didn't knew that this lighting i thought it's not a no really big or big of a deal but uh, like you told in that video that it's it really uh, you know sets the mood of what the creator wants to tell us like uh, the character is sad it's it's a moment of happiness or what whatsoever i mean like that was that really moved me and after that i actually dm'd you about that and i watched over the moon and it was a really, really amazing movie and congrats it's actually number 1 movie on netflix right now and yes and 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 i read somewhere that it's going to be nominated for oscars as well am i right it's uh, in the run for the oscar yes let me tell let me tell my listeners about you something uh selene deremu is actually one of the greatest person in the animation industry and he's so amazing that he actually won an an emmy and an an award as well for her movie age of sail right Yes, directed okay. by uh, John Cars. Yeah, I have actually not watched that movie because I want to watch it in VR. I don't want right. to spoil that, you know. I want to watch it in VR, right? So I have not you watched need, it yet. You need your phone to watch it in VR. You can watch it on your phone if you want. Yeah, I will watch it. I don't have actually the setup. My phone is not that much, you know. Okay. Okay. Right. So, uh, you are from France, right? And yes. you live in Canada. So. Just start by telling your story. I mean, please tell us about uh, yourself. Um, hi everyone. <laughs> um, so I I was born in France and I did some uh, fine art study for one year in the south of France, and then I worked. Um, I studied for four years in the north of France in a in a school called uh, Superfocum, 
which is like a 3D school. So you graduate by doing a, a 3D movie. Um, I graduated in 2008 and um, I moved uh, to London uh, the same year and I lived in London for four years and a half and I worked in uh, many different studios at uh, many different jobs. But uh, I mostly took the time to direct a short movie called Condon mm -hmm. that I made entirely myself. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a movie about a, a rocket that is uh, taking off. Uh, it's three minutes and a half and it's like uh, on some electro music. And um, this short movie has been released on the internet and it had um, a lot of view. I think I got like almost half a million at the moment. Uh, it was released in 2011, and um, I made this video because I wanted to um, to find a job in features and to do uh, to do some colors and work on lighting. And uh, I, this short movie kind of um, helped me to have a, a portfolio to uh, to go to studios, and uh, it it worked because actually when I released a short movie a few weeks after, uh, there was someone from the movie. Movie, uh, the Little Prince um, that was happening in France that called me and um, so I moved from London to Paris for a year. I worked in pre-production on The Little Prince at first as a lead color painter and uh, I quickly became a co-production designer and during this movie I moved to Canada to Montreal and uh, since then I'm living in Montreal and uh, it was my first uh, experience as production designer on, um, on a feature. And uh, since that movie, I worked on other projects uh, uh, in the same studio in Montreal. And I also worked in, as this dev artist for Sony on Hotel Transylvania 3. And um, been a production designer on Edge of Sales, a VR short movie that you mentioned. And uh, I, the, it was the same producer on Age of Sail and Over the Moon. So the producer asked me, uh, met me may, uh, meet Glenn Keane, the director of Over the Moon. And then I became the production designer on, of Over the Moon. Right. In a nutshell, that's it. Yeah. Well, you have worked with Glenn and you have worked with Glenn, right? So, sorry, you are. Yes, oh, with yeah. Glenn Keane, yes. Yes. Uh, that so, is a, an amazing uh, animation legend. Yes, he is. I was actually reading about him. I actually got to know about him from you only because when I was uh, doing some research of my own on you, and then I actually got to know about this legend, and I just came to know that he has worked on some really amazing movies, which I've actually watched and I love. Uh, and yeah, actually, uh, yeah. So I, that's why when I was uh, doing a bit research about you, um, and I was trying to find some interviews you gave. I came across this uh, uh, interview you gave to Tonko House, right? The name is Tonko House, right? Tonko Cast, I guess. Tonko House, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So on it's that, a actually, studio you... in uh, in the bay. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. you told uh, uh, the interviewer about like uh, like the time of recession, two thousand eight, and how. I mean, it was really hard for you that time because uh, you had you moved. I guess you moved out of your house and you were pay, you were like working on commercial projects to earn money. So something about that. Right. It was the uh, economical the, 
the big economical crisis that happened in 2008. And um, when I so when I moved from my graduation to London, <clears throat> when we arrived on the project two days after we started, the company told us like, oh, the project is cancelled. <laughs> So when you're a student, you don't have a lot of money. Um, mm. When you graduate and you're paying your rent every week. <laughs> and I remember that at that time we were like um, working and we were paid every week. And the first month we asked to be paid in cash in order to be to pay the, the room. And I was uh, flat sharing with um, eight people. And I did that for two years in London. So I was not leaving the... American dream. It was like really like every student, I guess, um, when you start to work and uh, it's like a difficult environment and you don't have your place of your own. And uh, it has been like very difficult for maybe six months. You had a very few amount of money for to live every day. And I was like inside the flat chair of eight people. Mm. I was sharing my room with another friend who was also like in a, having trouble to find a job. Um, but I think it was never an option for me to go to Paris because I really wanted to to improve my English and to make some network in London. And I, I it really tested my motivation, I think, because uh, when there's no work, um, when there's already work and you've got like a dream job, it's already difficult to do your dream job. But when there's no work available and uh, it's even more difficult. But I was um, really lucky that I started to have a job, a little one on a commercial. It was a commercial for SIM card, mobile phone. <laughs> and uh, it went really well. And then there was someone at Cartoon Network who were going in holiday and someone referred me to Cartoon Network. So I went to Cartoon Network. I worked in the, uh, it was a development studio at that time. So they were only developing pilots and it was like a very creative environment. And I started to get to know people and I worked on a couple of uh, projects. And then I got referred to another big studio in London, uh, not in London, in Bristol, um, that is Hardman. It is making like a stop motion animation. Uh, they made the Wallace and Gromit and they, I've been like recommended by the director of the SIM card commercial. So little by little, the network started to, to, to make his magic. And I, I was mm. able to work in like a, a really amazing studio and it really started to ramp up. And I was um, able to, on the side, work on my short movie, uh, Countdown. Oh. So I worked on my short movie during the weekend nights and when I was not working. And working was allowing me to put a bit of money on the side to be able to leave when I wanted to work on my on my short. Yeah, it was not yeah, uh, so... it was not like the best time of my life, but it was like mm -hmm. uh, I learned a lot from that uh, from that time. And I always kept um, motivation and the dream that uh, it will become better after. Awesome. So, I mean, like, you worked on your short movie countdown at side by side you're working on this commercial project which you didn't like that much right um i at the time i was like a, <clears throat> i had like a duo partner that we were trying to be director and commercial 
but there are so many people who try to be director uh, in commercial in London that uh, when a project comes, you need to pitch. So you need to do like a style frame to show the commercial agencies that you, I mean, what you will do with the project, but you are not paid when you are pitching. So it's like only happening on your, on your time. So it's like a lot of investment uh, and involvement from your, for, from your person. You always work at night, on the weekend, and um, it's really impacting your social life because you only doing that. And uh, you are pitching against other director in the same studio, and then you're pitching against director of other studio. So the competition is like really hard. And um, most of the time you're put in a label. Uh, for example, if you're doing like 2D projects, they will often just come for, for you because you're doing 2D projects. So it's really difficult. If you want to be called to do something bigger, you kind of need to also do something bigger on your side. So it was like very, yeah, it was very difficult. And it's also teach me a lesson because when you graduate and you go in commercial and you are an artist, you always want some way to achieve yourself through the commercial. And you're like, no, I will change the commercial. It will be artistic, but it's not what the client wants. The client wants to sell a project. And yeah. sometimes they're asking to put like a big minus 50% in big in the frame. And you're, you're like, mm-hmm. no, it's, it doesn't look good, but it's what the client wants. So right. um, there was this part that was like really um, fight. I was fighting with because I, I somehow I really wanted to, to have the commercial beautiful, but I, I kind of also forgot that, uh, yes, the client wants a beautiful commercial, but they also want to sell a product. And sometimes this main goal is impacting art. Um, so yeah, I started to, I started to, that's why, I, I started to do my short movie on the side in order to be freely, completely free of um, any client but myself and do like something that was very artistic with no price or target mm. or audience. Uh, and uh, that's how I guess I manage my um, mental health to be able to do my project uh, while I was working mm. in commercial. And uh, also commercial have very short uh, contract. So um, it can be like very exhausting. I remember like one, one year I worked um, four or five months in a row from 9 a.m. to 4 a.m., 3 a.m. So we were like only sl- sleeping like four or five hours by day. And uh, it happened during Christmas break and we just like have one week. And uh, it was like, when you finish that, that row of work, you're just like completely exhausted and you don't even have, uh, uh, you don't even want to work on your stuff. You're just like, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything else. So it was kind of like um, crushing a bit uh, my artistic soul in a way. Mm. But I know some other people are dealing really good with commercial. It just, uh, I, I thought for me, it was not maybe the right uh, format. Mm. Or maybe I was too young. Because that's also the thing when you're, when you're graduate and you, you go in the professional environment, you've got like a lot of ideas of what you want this professional world to be. 
and uh, you're facing the reality of uh, a lot of new things, being, paying your rent, paying your stuff, paying insurance. And um, yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think that if I needed to go back now to commercial, I would have a, a different approach. I would try to less, to invest less myself in it and uh, to keep a, a distance uh, with the product and uh, what I can do to, to sell the product. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, I, I actually can relate at some level with you. I, uh, last year, I started actually my this thing of like artistic things of myself, like editing videos and making some illustrating kind of things. And I actually uh, reached out to people for some work because I wanted to earn money, some side money uh, for my stuff. And actually, it was really hectic for me because I was doing things of uh, the way I was doing. I mean, like I was creating graphics like what I was, what I liked, I mean, like the colors and all these things. But if I, when, when I took all my work through the clients and I got like rejected, I mean, like they said that these colors are, these colors are not something we want. So that was really, I mean, it's something which I don't like, but what we have to do, we have to do for money, right? Awesome. So, but yes, so like when you were living in flat with eight peoples in it, uh, then you then this thought ever came to your mind that you will one day you will win an Emmy and an, an award, uh, like. Uh, yes, um, uh, with the Little Prince, I got one nomination to the Annie Award, but uh, we didn't win. And uh, three or four years later, on Age of Sail, um, so the production last. Uh, I stayed maybe six months on Age of Sale. I started in July 2017 and I finished um, in uh, February 2018. So maybe a bit more, maybe seven, eight months, um, which compared to a feature is like way less uh, because a feature you can stay two or three, four years. And Age of Sale was like, an amazing project because um, so it's for a VR application. So it's on, on the phone. Uh, it's a Google Spotlight Story app and you can see in 360. So um, it's changing the way that you are approaching the project because it's uh, in, um, how would you say it's like, um, I, I forgot the name, but uh, there's no time cut. As the viewer Sorry? can see in 360, you need to have the scene uh, alive. And uh, the technology is developed, but it's not mm -hmm. like as developed as feature animation. So there was some constraint. We could only use one light in the scene. And uh, because the viewer is able to stay and look wherever he wants, you can't change the position of the light. So mm. your lighting direction and the art direction needs to be perfect uh, to be the more efficient possible. And at first it was a constraint and uh, after a few moments we really thought like, okay, it's, it's actually a good creative uh, challenge. And uh, if we can succeed, it would be amazing. And there was a lot of time uh, put uh, in developing the sea and the water, the ocean, the waves, the pace and uh, our wave is working and uh, how it's affecting um, for the for the audience. The short movie is about um, a girl that is falling from a big ship and an old man, old man on the boat is like uh, picking up. 
So they're both on the boat for like eight or nine minutes and there's like uh, a storm coming. So you are leaving the storm on the boat. And one of the main challenge was to avoid uh, seasickness because when you are in VR, some people are getting sick even any without movement. So by being on a boat that is on a wave in a storm, there was a lot of challenge to make sure that the audience that was looking the short movie won't like throw up or be, uh, or be sick. And uh, you won't. <laughs> Uh, the engineer did really well their job, so it's like a really more an experience than a, than a short movie. But uh, for the purpose of the award, uh, we also did like a short movie version, so it means that we edited the camera, <clears throat> and it's a flat version that you can see on YouTube or your television and uh, everywhere. Yeah. And so for this project, we have been uh, nominated. Um, in the Annie Award, uh, in different categories, production design, character design, directing. Um, and uh, Jasmine and I, were, we won for best production design. And then for the Emmy Award, uh, we have been nominated as an um, honorary exceptional achievement. And I, I won for best uh, production design, an Emmy mm -hmm. Award. And uh, Jasmine won for best um, background painting, I think, and Bruno, best character design. So we were like, it was like a very small team because we were actually, um, most of the time on feature, when you're a production designer, you've got like a team around you. Can depend, uh, you can have like maybe between five, 10 or 15 artists. And on Edge of Save, there was really just uh, Jasmine, Bruno and I. So we were really um, hands-on and we did a lot of work ourselves. So it was really re rewarding to have uh, people reacting so well to this uh, to this short movie because we we had like a terrific time working on it and there was no John the director really wanted to have something visually different and outside the box and um, so it was really motivating as an artist to try to do something else and uh, we wanted like a mix of CG and painterly. So there was a lot of uh, reference from old boat painting from the 80th century and the more modern one as well. Um, I don't know if you can borrow the fun of someone to watch it, <laughs> but you should. It's really good. <laughs> I will watch it definitely. I really want to watch it. I'm. I'm going. I will just. I will see what I can do. But I will. I'm going to watch watch it somehow. So yeah. So yes, one thing uh, I really wanted to ask you. Uh, since I read your bio on Instagram, like you had a flag of France and Canada, and and I when I saw your interviews, like you were your accent was French, and so I want to ask you, like, uh, uh, what was there some culture shock you faced when you moved to America, or what's the difference between the culture you mm. find, and how you and in any way you got inspired from that, uh, like in in an artistic way. So I've got the two flags because I'm French and Canadian. I got my yeah. uh, Canadian citizenship two years ago. Um, wow. So that's why I've got the two flags. Congrats. Uh, <laughs> in, um, in Canada, you've got like the East Coast, you've got Quebec, uh, that is more, so there's two official um, language in Canada, there's English and French. Uh, so when you're talking to 
administration, even the government needs to be able to speak the two language, languages. And in Quebec, uh, people are mostly speaking French. Uh, I would say like a good 95%. And in the rest of Canada, it's like mostly English, 95%. Um, but when I arrived in Quebec, uh, it was like a very interesting situation because we were coming from France. So it was like a French culture into a North, I will expand to North American slash Quebecois uh, culture, culture. But uh, the director of the Little Prince was American. And the crew who worked on the project uh, was international. There was people from Quebec and Canada for sure, but there was also people from Romania, from uh, Ireland, Scotland, America, from everywhere. And um, so I feel like that the, maybe the crew itself, uh, there was no trouble uh, understanding and it was like actually quite inspiring to see how people were trying to communicate mm -hmm. because most of the foreigners were speaking English, but most of the French and Quebecois were speaking French. So everyone tried to make an effort to understand each other. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the, I would say that in the higher part, in the leadership part of making a movie, the culture of European and North American on how to make a movie is like very different. Um, budget in North America are bigger and uh, in Europe when you're doing a movie budgets are really smaller so when you're doing a movie in Europe you really need to know what you want to do and uh, mm. you're spending more time in doing an animatic on the storyboard and when the animatic is locked then you enter into production whereas in North America they have a tendency to go in production even if the animatic is not locked um, in order to still evolve the story but it asks for a lot of flexibility and, uh, and yeah, you need to have the budget to, to support that so um, people really needed to try to understand each other on uh, okay what is a good part of doing your version what is a good part of doing my version uh, that part was like, um, I think I, I, get, I got a glimpse of that when I was working in London in commercial because I was working sometimes with uh, North American agencies and there was kind of a process um, to talk with them and talk about expectation and process, etc. Et but it's on a bigger, a smaller uh, scale. When you are going on a feature and it's a bigger scale, it's really important to agree on vocabulary and what it means. For example, <clears throat> in Europe, you've got one art director on the movie that is like doing the overall uh, art direction. In North America, you've got a production designer and under you've got three art directors in most of the movie. Uh, but really, the production designer in North America is equivalent of the art director in Europe. Okay. That's, uh, mm -hmm. that's the, equivalent, the equivalent. The production designer is doing the art direction, but in North America, the art director are more like um, the ones that are helping to traduce the design into 3D. Uh, and those jobs are not existing in, uh, in Europe. So it's uh, when you're going from one to the other one, it's really important to 
to explain what you're doing and what you want and uh, and be flexible of, of the titles because it can um, it can change from one country to uh, to another one. Mm, right. So, um, uh, uh, in an interview of on on the same interview of you gave in, with Tonko House, you told that you had on your team of Over the Moon you had people from all around the world. I mean, you have people from China, Europe, and America itself. So you were working kind of remotely since since the start beginning of the project, right? So what? like like COVID had any significant effect on like the your project which was going on, or it the things were same. Um, so that's uh, interesting. Um, so also to also continue on the previous question, most of the production designers are in the studio in America are working on site, and the edge of sale. Um, was the first experience of re working remotely because I was based in Montreal. The studio who was doing the CG was in LA, but Google was in uh, San Francisco, mm. in, uh, in Mountain View. So we had like three different locations in North America, but it's taking me like eight, uh, um, a flight of six hours from Montreal to go to, um, to San Francisco. And um, I couldn't go for like six months in the US, so I stayed in Montreal and I just do like back and forth for two to three days per month. And um, there was a lot of trust from them to say like, okay, we are hiring Celine, she's a production designer, she's living in Montreal and we are trusting that everything will go smoothly remotely and it went, it was like, a, it was amazing, we had like a Slack. And the, there was like different channels. There was like the design channels, there was a CG channel, etc. And everyone was able to get the information of what was happening for everyone. Everyone was really talkative and communicative of uh, what was happening. And it was like a really good experience. And I think that it's uh, like something because it was the same producer, Jinirim from Age of Sale to Over the Moon. She knew that I could work like that and there was no issue. So when I started Over the Moon, I was in Montreal still and they were in LA. And after um, four months or five months, we knew that Sony uh, in Vancouver, so West Coast Canada, will do the CG. And uh, at that time, I proposed to move to Vancouver uh, in order to be at the Sony office, to be able to, to review stuff. So I moved to Vancouver and I'm still in Vancouver at the moment. And um, I was with the CG artist. Glenn and the production team of Netflix Pearl were in LA. So I was still working remotely with, with Glenn and I worked remotely for the entire movie with Glenn. And for my art team, there was a free woman in China, in Shanghai. There was one guy in Netherlands. There was one guy in Paris. There was one girl maybe in Ireland. I don't know if she was in Ireland or in France. She kept moving. There was one uh, modeler in Spain. Uh, there was three person in Montreal. I was in Vancouver and we had also like three other person in LA. So, uh, to review the things, there's like a way of doing it. When I arrive at work, I'm mostly reviewing the work from the Euro Europe first. 
because it's like 7 p.m. So they need the notes uh, almost now in order. There's like a small window for to talk uh, to each other and to be able to give feedback or to do like a quick review at 8 or 9 a.m. our side and 6 or 7 p.m. their side. Then I was checking the work of uh, the East Coast Canada um, because it was like around noon. Then there was the LA people and during the afternoon I could review the work of China because they were completely asleep. And uh, when our day was finishing, it was the beginning of their day. Yeah. Uh, so we could have like a, a mm. round uh, on the flow, uh, a flow, um, flow art. Um, and I think that sometimes it really helped me because there was like some crazy last minute request from Sony about some design at like 6 or 7 p.m. And I was like, oh, okay. And we sent the, the stuff to uh, the woman in China. So when the next morning we were going to work, the work was done by them and uh, mm -hmm. Sony was happy. They had the design and uh, he didn't ask for any overtime for anyone because it was a end of day for us, but it was the beginning of their day. So uh, that was great. And the key for that was like, again, a really good communication. Uh, we had like some, we had like a chin chat um, that is the equivalent of Slack and uh, <clears throat> talking a lot uh, on this. And we did like a lot of catch up with um, uh, Maddie Laser that was the production manager. And there was a really uh, transparent and honest uh, communication all the time on what we wanted, what was working, what was not working, and how to improve and changes in script, in story, or anything. So there was already like a good workflow to work remotely. And um, when COVID happened, it's, it was here, it was in uh, March, um, so 2020. Mm -hmm. Animation was uh, almost finished, but we were like half in lighting and we needed to finish everything in two months and a half, which is completely crazy without COVID. <laughs> so when COVID happened and uh, we were like, oh, we are half in lighting and there's a COVID and we didn't know what will happen because um, like we were in review and the person in LA came into the, in their office and we were like watching that in the webcam. The person was saying, oh, you need to leave the building now. Netflix mm -hmm. is closing the office. So they just left us and they started to work remotely from that moment. And for us in Vancouver, it was like one week later, um, they asked, uh, the leadership to start working from home in order to also give um, an example of safety first. Mm. Um, if people are making the, because there's always this kind of uh, relationship where you're like, oh, I need to go to work because if the other one is going, then I need to go. And uh, the way that it's working, it's like if you see that the person above you are starting to say, no, you should stay at home and give this example, um, then the other person won't feel obliged to, to take risk, take the bus and the subway and uh, go to work. Um, so this happened for a week where people started to 
take initiative to stay at home because there was still no like formal order from uh, the province government or the federal government to stay at home. And uh, within a week, Sony moved entirely all the CG artists to work from home. So they provided like a small remote boxes to, to work from home and like a one screen because we were in lighting. So everyone needed like a calibrated screen to work from home. So they provide everything like in a week. And in a week, every person who was working over the moon was working at home. And uh, the first week, maybe we eat like half of the quota. And then the next week, we even eat bigger quotas than we did before. And we deliver the movie uh, on time and even one week before, uh, like the lighting was uh, finished uh, perfectly on time. There was no delay and uh, it was like uh, crazy. Um, we had some Zoom call for review with Glenn with like 82 person. So you've got like a mosaic with uh, 82 little uh, case and uh, avatars and profile. It's um, it's uh, quite surprising, <laughs> uh, but uh, but it, it it was okay. I think we were really mm. fortunate uh, that Solini was really well organized and uh, uh, the providers here were um, able to double our speed, internet speed, for without uh, increasing the price. I think they knew that some people needed to to be able to. I mean, when you are working in movies, you need to like upload a ton of data mm -hmm. and you need to receive a ton of data. Uh, internet is very expensive in Canada and uh, they were really flexible with that. Uh, they knew that we needed like a bigger bandwidth. Mm. Wow. Well, internet is really cheap in India actually. <laughs> it's really, really cheap right now. Yeah, fortunate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are really fortunate for that. That's one thing I'm really thankful. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like, it was really amazing. So, like, this COVID, the last year, 2020 was, was I guess, uh, really different for everyone. Uh, I mean, it changed life for changed life for a lot of people, for good or for bad also. What changes you went through? I mean, this that last year affected you uh, in any way, like your artistic, any, any artistic way? How you perceive things? Um... Yes and no. Um, yes, because usually uh, when I'm finishing a movie, I'm taking a three months holiday and I'm backpacking um, in other places uh, in the world. After Age of Sail, I went to uh, one month in China, one month in Japan, uh, and uh, like three weeks in Hong Kong and Taiwan. And I'm really using those trips uh, to um, re regenerate myself and uh, be amazed and uh, try to renew the creativity. It's really good for the body and the mind to leave your comfort zone and to go to other places that you don't know in order to uh, get to know new things and uh, change your habits. And after um, this project, I was supposed to go back to uh, Asia and to go to um, 
Thailand and Japan, but I didn't because uh, we couldn't travel. So um, that was like one thing that they des desperately wanted to do because when you work for two or three years on the same project, you your artistry is uh, not impacted but influenced even if you if you don't want to the way that uh, characters are the animation or the movie itself is like influencing your art um, but you spend so many hours working on that that um, you also need like a, a bigger time to read new books or read your like pile of books of new manga, comics, or whatever. So mm. I couldn't travel, but um, I take I took that time to, to read a lot and to watch the movie I couldn't watch. And um, I think I was really fortunate to live in Vancouver because it's a really beautiful city. I've got the, I've got the beach in 15 minute walk. And uh, there was a lockdown, but it was, we didn't like have so many cases. Like uh, the situation was worst in the East Coast of Canada, in Montreal and uh, Quebec, Ontario, where they suffered a lot more. So here, uh, restaurants only closed for maybe two months and then they opened again. So, um, you can still go outside, you're wearing a mask, you're taking the precaution, but it's not as bad as in other places. So um, I think I was fortunate to be able to do my morning work um, every morning and go get my coffee and come back home and at lunch. It's the same, I was going outside, even if you can just like walk around your neighborhood, it's just enough to get some, some air and uh, to refresh your vision of your mm. of your room and uh, I don't really have trouble to stay with myself and uh, alone I I wish that there was like a day of 48 hours in order to do everything I want to do in one day so I'm not so bad uh, with um, this kind of isolation that is not like as as bad as I, I don't know how it's happening how how is it for you? But I, I know that for some other person, maybe in France, in Paris, or um, uh, even in Montreal right now, there's a curfew that you can't go out after eight o'clock. I think in France, it's six o'clock. And mm. as for us, we don't have any curfew. So if there's like no one in the streets at 11 or 10 p.m., you can still go outside, go to the beach and... Uh, Mm. Just enjoy uh, a moment, a moment by yourself, watching the watching the water. So yeah. Mm. So you have been to a lot of Asian countries. I mean, China, Hong Kong, and Japan as well. Come to I, India as well. Sometimes. I know it's uh, it's because my partner already went to India um, thirteen thirteen years ago. Uh, and spent like a, a month and a half. So we are prior, prioritize, prioritizing the other country. We went like six weeks in, uh, in Vietnam, uh, two weeks in Cambodia, four weeks in Laos. And, but uh, yeah, India is on my list. <laughs> yeah, you have a friend also here, okay? So don't worry about anything. <laughs> but it's, 
it's so big that uh, I guess I need like uh, several travels yeah, it's in really order big. I mean, to yeah, because I, I mean, what I what I don't like is when people are going to uh, to one city they spend three days yeah. and they say like oh I went to that country where right, right. I prefer to go and spend like three weeks or one month in like one region and maybe go back another time to another region mm. and uh, but yeah no. I know. I, f- I know. I, I feel the same way. I mean, yeah, I feel the same way because I've never been to any country. Uh, I've never been to abroad, but when I visit some place in India only, like I went to some hill station. So I try to live like, try, try to live there. I mean, for two weeks at least, uh, because uh, in two, three days, you can only visit only the tourist place, which are really popular, right. but you can do, you, you never know about how the things work over there. I mean, how people are living their life over there. So that's, that's something that everyone should consider. But yes, India is really diverse. I mean, like we have 20, uh, we have a lot of states, 29 states right now. So, and every state is like a different country for you. That's, <laughs> that's I'm going to promise you, yes. Every state is a different country. Yes. So do come to India as well. I will. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned something about manga comics, which I'm going to come to in uh, like in few minutes. I have a question for that as well. And yeah, uh, while I was uh, researching about you, reading about you, I came to know that you have worked in, worked for Hotel uh, Transylvania and Harry Potter as well. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, you know, you should, that that thing tripled down my excitement because that's the movie I have watched. I have watched every part of that movie more than 30 times. That is the best movie I have ever watched, uh, Harry Potter. So yeah, I want to ask you, I had to ask you this, how was the experience working over there? I mean, uh, It was great because, uh, so I worked on the um, Tales of the Three Brothers, that is in the seventh movie, part one, I think. Yeah. It's uh, when mm-hmm. they are telling the tales of the Cape of Invisibility, the world, yeah. and um, what is the third thing? The stone. The stone, yeah. So it's like a sequence inside the movie and we had like so much more uh, freedom than the movie. So we, we were like a really small team. It was directed by uh, Ben Hibon. Um, so that is a director that is mostly doing that. He did like other, uh, he did like um, a sequence in Monster Call, uh, another one with a princess something. And, um, mm. So La Warner, the Warner was like really open to his vision and really supportive. And uh, it was really cool to be able to work on the Harry Potter material without being attached to a Harry Potter's uh, live action movie. And there was a lot of uh, creativity. And uh, so on that part, I worked on the textures yeah. Um, I did like the petals on the bride wedding dress. I I did like the cape of invisibility. I did like a ton of oh. texture. I did Beth as mm. well with the um, shards and the, the mm. cloth. It was a it was a it was a cool and great experience uh, in a big studio. It, it was like a big studio, but yeah. we were like a, this kind of like a secret team that was working on the cool stuff. <laughs> Actually, I was like, 
I mean, I I was really moved by the work in Over the Moon, but when I saw Harry Potter in your resume, I was like totally freaked out. I mean, he has <laughs> she has worked on Harry Potter. I mean, it's the best movie I ever seen. I can watch it right now, anytime, any part. So yeah, and yeah, so like I have some questions. Um, technical questions I have, like, what is a production designer? I mean, what does a production designer actually do? In in a layman language, if I don't know anything about animation, so what he or she do? So the production, as I, as I mentioned before, the production designer is basically the art director of the show. Um, he or she uh, is responsible for the entire visual of the movie. So when a director comes on board on a show, he, he she usually hired a production designer next uh, because they will be like the two important people uh director will focus on the story animation edit and uh, the production designer will uh, gather a team of designer and will take care of the design of everything the characters the props uh, the sets the lighting the colors everything so usually a production designer come and during the six uh like the first six months uh, only drawing and designing with the team and organizing all the work. And uh, after six months, you're starting to start the process of translating that to the 3D. So with a studio, in our case, it was Sony. So your time is divided in half. Half, you are finishing the art and half, you are reviewing uh, the 3D. And uh, making sure that uh, the translation from the drawing is looking like uh, what you want. And uh, then in lighting, um, I usually taking care. I, I usually take care of it by myself uh, because I really like uh, colors and lighting. So I'm usually also working as. Was it understand? Uh, did you understand it? Actually, the internet went, internet went little bad. So can you just, last part, can you repeat that, please? Uh, about the lighting? Yeah. Uh, so yes, um, usually the production designer is taking care of the lighting and is uh, bringing the ambience and telling what the ambience he wants, if she, he or she wants, what colors, uh, where to place the lights and uh, how to improve the image uh, the best uh, you can to have the most beautiful film on screen. Okay, so it's something like, uh, I mean, you have you will become with time. It's not something that you can actually just uh, start doing, right? I mean, it needs some experience or you can do it with, like a fresher also can be a production designer. Okay. Um, so there's no school for production designer. And if you asked me uh, in 2008, if I wanted to become a production designer, I think I would have said no. And I never thought that I would become production designer. I thought that uh, I wanted to direct my my movies. And, but I was also like very attracted to lights and colors and all the aspects of this of making like an image beautiful and it just like happened by itself and um, 
on The Little Prince that was really the show and the feature where I grew up a lot because I started as a painter and then I was the, the lead color artist of the team and then I just become the co-production designer and uh, it became my, my first experience. Um, I already had like a, a kind of experience of management in London because when I tried to be a director, you need it, you need to manage your team. And uh, because production designer, it's it's like a very complex job. You need to be in management because you're managing a team. You need to be good at uh, art in order to be either doing stuff, doing drawings, or to help others improve their drawings. And you also need to be a good um, communicator and uh, not negotiator, but uh, you need to be able to, um, to talk to other partners, either the studio is doing the CD or the director to know what he or she wants, uh, what you want, how both vision can be together. So it's like a very complex job. And I feel like that there's no really course or lesson or study to learn to do it. And I think that in most of a big studio, it's something that you're, that you're doing after a lot of experience as an art director and artist. I, I think I had like a very, I was lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I, I worked hard. And uh, I got the trust of uh, Marcos Born on The Little Prince. And uh, after that, uh, people just um, started to witness that I got this experience and they gave me more and more um, project with that. So, yeah, that's a really weird job. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's a, that it, there is a question, it's actually a uh, kind of selfish, it's for me especially. Uh, like, if a person is not that good in art, I mean, if he's not like really good with like creating characters, I mean, being really good artist, but he really wants to be a part of an animated movie or wants to make an animation movie. So what are the things that he can actually do if he's not that, that good in artistic things? Um, it depends. Uh, I've, there's like a couple options or solutions, I would say. Um, first of all, for example, I know someone that is uh, that wants to be a storyboard artist, and uh, she's doing some storyboard on her side, but maybe not as professional as uh, what um, American movie wants to hire. And uh, so this person in waiting, she's working as a coordinator in animation features. So she can be every day in a room with people who are working in animation and she can see other storyboarders. Like, so you can become like a coordinator of the part that you want to be. So for example, if it's storyboarder, you can become a coordinator in a story in the story team. So you can be part of the brief from the director on a sequence, or you can be part of the storyboard or pitching the sequence. So it's like a way to 
uh, work and learn because you're working, you're paying your rent, but you are also witnessing and learning experience from other people on a project that is being made. And you can try to do that, but you need to have some notion of uh, not management, but being able to take the notes and giving the work and uh, you need to be able to do the production part as well. Um, so you can do that. And if your job is like in art, you can become like a, arts coordinator or you can become like a PA, a personal assistant of a coordinator. So you will do the basic stuff. It's not like um, amazing, uh, I guess, but uh, maybe you will learn a lot and you need to start by, um, by, by somewhere. So maybe you will do like a lot of scan at the beginning or organizing tasks, uh, but you will be able the same to maybe assist, to brief creative brief uh, from directors or production designer or anyone and you will be able to see artwork. So that's one, uh, one solution. The other solution is to begin by very small tasks of, uh, of design and try to have like a junior um, job of drawing props uh, or putting color on animation uh, if there's like 2D animation jobs, um, they always looking for people to put colors um, on the characters. And if it's like a 3D movie, they always look for people to draw the little things everywhere, like, um, I don't know, the label on a, on a can of bean mm -hmm. or of a garlic pot sauce or something like that. Um, I think the idea is always to try to begin small with like smaller jobs and uh, also try to be at least in the environment that you want to work in, mm. uh, in order for you to have like uh, sometimes people want to work somewhere and when they got there they're like oh I hate it <laughs> so at least if you are getting inside the environment you can have the notion of the jobs of everyone and uh, little by little you can say like oh maybe i can help on that and uh, it's yeah. what i will do okay so how many members you had on on for over the moon team uh, say it again so how, how many members you had for the for this movie over the moon in your team for the, for the design yeah, total members, I mean, like from beginning to end, whole whole crew. Everyone, everyone. Yeah, total, how many were there? So, for example, I will say that um, there was maybe 10 artists or 12. Uh, there was maybe eight storyboarder, there was maybe eight person in edit. So I will, have, I will say maybe like 50 or 60 in the pre-production. But then there was like 120 animators, there was like 50 lighters, mm. um, there was a team of rigging and modeling. So I would say maybe like, 400 total. Wow. It's, uh, I, will, I will say, because there was a lot of person in CG in Vancouver. Mm. So in the pre-production part, not so much. 
But then to do the images, uh, there was a lot of animators. There was, uh, yeah. Well, I thought there will, I never thought the 400 members would be there in this movie for making an animated movie. Really, I never thought that. Um, that the, the, the amount of time uh, we had to do over the moon was actually quite small. It took like two years from when we started to when we finished. And uh, most of the time movies uh, in North America, at least maybe they can take three years or four years. So because our schedule were like smaller, you needed to increase the number of people uh, in order to achieve the same amount of work. Um, so that's why there was there, there were like a lot of um, animators and people everywhere to achieve a lot of work in very few amount of time. Wow. So you think that it it's harder to make an animated movie and it's easier to make uh, like the normal doll form movie. So what do you think which one is harder? Between an animated movie and what? And a, a regular movie like with a live action people, movie. Like it's yeah. uh, it's funny. I think it's uh, it, I guess it depends because in live action there's always there's also like two kind of live action movies. There's the ones that you just need like two actors, like a good script, and there's no VFX involved. And uh, in that case, it can go really fast, and you can go like I don't know, you can maybe have a movie in like four months, six months. Mm -hmm. But if you have like a big VFX movie, like uh, the Marvels or mm -hmm. or Disney, I think it's like involving a ton of different. Uh, uh, VFX companies who are doing like the effects and it can maybe become a nightmare. I, I didn't work in VFX, but I've got some friends who are working on it and usually people from different companies are working on the same movie. So I imagine that the person who is responsible to connect with everyone must be, must be crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would say it's like way easier to work like on a small movie. Uh, with no VFX. And then um, the pace of making a movie with VFX uh, is still faster than animation. You really need to be passionate to work in animation because it's mm -hmm. taking a, a lot of time in your life. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Uh, so, like, yes, I'm going to ask you that manga thing I, talked, I told you about. Like this, uh, you know, you must you must know that like in Japan, it's a different it's a different level of animation they do there. It's actually famous all around the world. Uh, we call it anime, and yeah. like sh like shows like Naruto and uh, and Dragon Ball and and lot I of other Dragon, animation. I watched Dragon Ball was my favorite show when I was. You do? Yeah, yeah, okay. it's, it's really awesome. It's still going on, I guess. And Naruto, and we have Attack on Titans. And and really amazing, like really amazing shows. Like I I I watched a lot of animes right now, and, and like last year I watched a lot of animes, and I actually that actually that thing actually drew my attention towards animation, basically. So like I want to ask you about that because you have work you work in a different like you are working animation, but it's really different from like Japanese animation. I feel that. So what do you think? Like uh, it's different from Western uh, like animation in Western part. Um, so also I, I brought some anime reference to Over the Moon uh, for the 
for the ping pong sequence, I, I show Glenn uh, the anime ping pong that is yeah. uh, like the uh, by Taiyo Matsumoto that has done like the manga initially. Uh, because it was way more dynamic, there was speed screen and there's other, they are telling the story in other ways than uh, North American are doing. And uh, a lot, I guess a lot is coming from, they've got this economy of uh, animation sometimes where animation in North America is like very fluid and, uh, and nice and uh, squeeze and stretch and anticipation and delay. And uh, in manga, like Dragon Ball or Naruto, sometimes you had like just one drawing that was like keeping still. And then you yeah. have like a ton of words and dialogues on it. And mm -hmm. it's, um, it's their way of, uh, of doing like animation in a sustainable, I don't know if sustainable is the word, but economical way. So they could provide a lot of content mm -hmm. for kids, adults, teenage, with like a fewer amount of money. So they just like embrace that and develop that. And I feel like that nowadays it's just like an evolution of what they had before. And there's more and more like anime, I don't know, like Tekken um, Creed or Mind Game or even some Miyazaki movie where you're like, it's impossible for a crew of 100 person to work, for them to work on this sequence because this sequence is so crazy that you just need to have like one person was the one that, that was imagining it to lay it out in storyboard and to really share that with the people who animate it. So it's sometimes less, uh, there's less sh shots, it's less cut, and um, most on the on the pace of what they were thinking or imagining, where maybe in animation it's more like formula, and you've got like cut, and you've got like a certain edit and certain reaction. Um, it's a very difficult question. There's also the way that they are, I think the way that Asians are feeling the environment and nature and what it means to, to have those animals or the reaction and the relationships that they've got with, um, with it is like impacting the storytelling. Um, even in live action in Kurosawa, uh, you can have like two, two characters walking into like a land of desert rocks and uh, it will be shot differently than a, a Western movie um, in, uh, in North America. So I feel like that the culture is also impacting or influencing a lot the way that they are telling the story. Um, the poetic, the poesy, how just looking at a cherry blossom is like telling so mm. much more in a shot, mm -hmm. in an anime, uh, then what it will do in uh, in animation. Most of the time, they are speaking less in anime. They are showing more. Mm -hmm. And in North American, we are, or in animation, maybe we are telling a lot what we have on screen. It's mm -hmm. a two different school. Yeah. Yeah, you are right. I mean, like in the animation they're doing, they're actually, are trying to uh, 
give out more and more content through their uh, animation and whereas when we talk about the western uh, western uh, kind of animation we experience a lot of action on on the screen right and mm. they are actually trying to put out a lot of content so i mean what's your favorite animes i mean you you watch animes right now or no i've got uh, you can't see but i've got like a library full of books uh, i don't know if i can uh, uh wow all wow you have a lot of books so i've got and i've got a lot of anime uh, manga in oh. it as well um i'm reading a lot of uh, a lot of manga Uh, I, I just finished one yesterday night, uh, Solanin, which was really cool. Uh, time to time, I'm watching back uh, Mind Game. Uh, it's one of my favorite um, anime because it, I watched it for the first time when I was in school, when I was a student, and uh, it gave such a new freshness of uh, what animation can be. The eyes of the characters were different colors because they were making love. There was like uh, wings of butterfly emerging from the back because he was, in, he was having an orgasm. Um, it's, uh, it was like, it was also, and then there's um, other series that I, I, I like that there's no anime about it and it's like remain manga. manga. Um, but for like Naruto, I think I would, I would rather watch the animes and reading the manga because it's like fun to have the voice and uh, yeah. to have all the little animation. Um, there's like a Barefoot Jane uh, that is like one powerful anime from the 80s. That's really good. There's mm. um, Crit. Tayo Matsumoto again, that is like uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many. <laughs> Have you heard about Death Note? It's really popular. I mean, it's like uh, everyone I've watched, everyone who's, who's watching anime, who's a fan of anime, have watched Death Note at some point of life, some part of time, I mean. Death Note. Have you heard about it? Not sure. Say it again. Death Note. Oh, Death Note, yes. Yes, I, yep, I, seen it. I, I, I seen it. I didn't see the, you see, I didn't see the live action one that they were, that they use on Netflix, I, but I watched mm -hmm. the anime one and I never, never read the, the manga. And we didn't mention that uh, in anime, there's like all the Ghibli and the Miyazaki that uh, I didn't quote because everyone has seen them and watching them mm. and, and just like uh, put them on their um, in the library and bookshelf mm. and the uh, manga shelf and the uh, video shelf everywhere. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, also trying one... to I'm also trying yes. to read some Korean manga. It's less um, it's less advertised. But there's some really cool uh, manga, Korean manga, and um, there's also like um, a chain, a Chinese author that I really like, um, uh, Lee Lee Kun Wu. 
that is like a, a really good uh, Chinese artist as well uh, who is doing comics. Mm. Okay, so prefer reading uh, uh, about watching anime, right? You I think reading I pre- I'm reading more than I'm watching anime uh, because I think there's a big but it's like everywhere, even in like uh, European commissioning them when they are released. But there's way more diversity in the manga that you can read. So it's easier to discover new things than um, usually it's also like uh, the anime that are ma- being made. It's because they can make money and they are so entering in the same formula of... Yeah. Of that and uh, well of course uh, the Miyazaki are always different um, but reading a manga is like really the possibility to discover something um, that you I don't know never heard of or you didn't expect or sometimes it's like a bit sh- shocking you sometimes you're like oh I don't know I always wanted to read a manga about uh, Fukushima and uh, so uh, at the moment, I'm reading a manga about the incident of Fukushima. And I got it here. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's in French, but um, mm-hmm. so it's like a free volume, and it's telling uh, the life of people who needed to go in the nuclear station to um, to clean up everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the kind of things that I don't think they will make an anime about it, but it's also the kind of things that I will never be reading somewhere else than in a, right. than in a manga. Yeah, right. And this, and I've actually, actually read, I've not read a lot of manga, but I actually read manga about uh, of one anime. I really like, I really like that. And I found out that in when you uh, read a manga, there are a lot of things that they that they do not put in the animated form. Like there are a lot of things in the book which are not on the screen. And likewise with Harry Potter also. When okay. I read the Harry Potter, there were there was a lot of things which are left out uh, from the screen. Okay. So yeah, uh, reading is actually a kind a of advantage. Yeah. It's a different experience reading it mm-hmm. and uh, watching it. So that's why sometimes it's like really good. Like the Naruto, it's like really fun to watch them. Yeah. And some other time, it's like really, it's better to 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 read the manga and to have your mind imagine everything else. Yeah, right, right. So I can actually recommend you a lot of animes. Uh, uh, can I? Why? Uh, so uh, uh, you must read or watch whatever you want. A uh, Promise Neverland. It's really awesome. It's a twelve episode anime. It's uh, quite amazing, and uh, I should recommend you My Hero Academia. You're searching on still searching for that? No, see it again. Okay. Uh one is uh, the prom my uh, one is promised neverland, the promised neverland, and my hero academia. And and I have a lot of enemies. And and one is Batum, one is Relife, and Erased. Uh, I've watched a lot of, lot of animes. I'm fan you should just like yeah. DM me with all the of these. Yeah, list. I will DM you. Yeah, I will DM you all these, and you should read them, and they are really amazing. And my really? personal favorite is my personal favorite is My Hero Academia, and it's because it's really inspiring. I mean, it's really inspired me a lot. You must really check it out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
I will DM okay. you all the I links. Will. Don't worry. Yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, I was here. So I mean, like, uh, uh, if a person uh, wants to be in this, uh, like, wants to be an animator or wants to make an animated movie, like, for example, me, I want to make an animated movie. So, what all things I have to know before that? Um, you need to get a production partner. Um, someone who will uh, help you to well, what you need to know you need to know what story you want to tell you need to know how you want to tell it like not with software and stuff like that but you need to have like a vision of what you the movies that you want to tell I think that's the most important because you won't do it by yourself you will do it with a team of people and you need to be able to um, communicate your vision to these people. That's the first thing that you, you need to know. What is your vision and how to communicate it to other person? And then it's all about um, uh, getting your ID uh, sold to a, to a studio or to, to anyone. And uh, that's the trickiest part, I think, because there's a lot of people who want to, to make their movie and there's a lot of, um, it's asking a lot of work, it's asking a lot of network. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I think that uh, the most important is to have like a good story and be able to, uh, to communicate it. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, right, uh, actually uh, I have, I mean, like in India, we have Bollywood, which is really big. I mean, it's uh, come second after Hollywood. But the thing, the thing which really bumps me out is like we are, we are nothing in animation. Like in India, if we talk about animation, we actually have nothing. But that's really, I, that's something. I, I was the jury of uh, the Calcutta Film Festival last year, uh, last month, and uh, it was the first edition of the festival the film festival and they had like a animation um, department and the organizer were telling me like oh uh, in India animation is is seen only for child and children yeah. at the moment mm -hmm. and it's not like um, people maybe don't see the potential of animation to be bigger mm -hmm. so yeah. I've, I've heard about it yes yeah, that's the thing. Like we, uh, when we talk about animation, it's mostly actually made in India. It's only made for like childrens, and like this, only these animes are the things are which are actually reaching out to the youth to like a, a little bit older people, like in their twenties and early thirties. And animes are something they watch, and a lot of Western movies which are actually made for childrens, and like Over the Moon is. Uh, I I guess over the moon was uh, primarily for like uh, for small children, but that's something that everyone can watch. That's a great thing I feel about Western animations. But in India, the every animation that we make, which it's always uh, made the with the vision that this is something which only a child will watch. So that's uh, really bumps me out a lot. But well, I uh, I understand. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. still. Uh... I'm still feeling that sometimes even here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, a, like it's, a, it's a long road, but um, 
little by little, the more animation you will have, the more artists will be involved in animation and the more it will evolve in the general community on mind. So, so you think that uh, we have a really less amount of artists? I mean, do you think that a lot of, like most of our people are actually going towards the, uh, towards like more, I mean, technical stuff or more accounting stuff? I mean, like, I, I personally feel that uh, people do not follow art that much. Do you feel that? In uh, India or in general? In all around the world, I mean. And India especially, yes. Um, I think we are, like, we are doing art books of movies and uh, we are sharing art and concept of the movies on Instagram. But I think it's only the community of artists that are watching those concepts. And the people who are watching the movie just want to watch the movie. And it's bringing the question of the experience that you want to feel. Mm -hmm. And maybe an like a question that directors has and the producer had in mind. It's at the end of the day, people will see the movie and want to watch the art. But you need mm. the art in order to make the movie. Yeah, right. So you just need to uh, be comfortable with this idea that uh, maybe artists, their they work will be seen through the lens of the movie. And mm. maybe a few uh, aficionados and artists will watch the art, uh, will look at the art on um, Instagram or Facebook or mm. art books and uh, other places. Okay, so yeah, since you brought up the social media, so what are your favorites? I mean, you follow some artists on Instagram, like you, like you told me. I mean, like you are mostly inspired by, like when I asked you on DM also on Instagram also, you said that you are mostly inspired by, like artists on social media as well. So who are your favorite top five artists you like to follow on social media? So my first um, my first inspiration is actually books, mm -hmm. uh, but not books with about art. It's just like books about stories. I also like to travel and take pictures, and uh, that's my main uh, inspiration. You just DM me the name. I wait. I will. I will. It's a very difficult question. <laughs> I don't really look at one artist to be my inspiration. Um, as I say, life is really inspiration. Just to live it, experience it, go to nightclub, go to parties, mm. go to coffee, go to parks, go to have a swim. Because uh, ultimately, right. it's what you will put mm. in the movie at the end and uh, how people will connect with their movie. It's when they will have the feeling that, oh, I've been there, I've done that. Um, and you can only recreate that by having, being on the place yourself. Right, right, right. So like, uh, so I have seen like uh, creators talking about this creative block that they experience sometimes like when they are not able to create something. So have you experienced that at some point of life? Uh, say it again, sorry. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of creators 
uh, artists and creators talk about this creative block they experience sometime so have you gone through that at any point of life creative lost or block creative block like uh, you can't uh, create anything yeah, and uh, you're you stuck you cannot yes you are stuck somewhere yes i'm experiencing it at uh, every new project <laughs> okay <laughs> every time i'm starting a project the two first day i'm just like uh... <laughs> i'm watching uh, and i'm watching the blank page of photoshop and i'm like ah oh, Hmm. <laughs> and I'm going outside, I'm going to work, and I, I remember when I was at school, there was a, a teacher that was saying, don't draw if you don't have a concept or an idea. So I always try to have an idea or a concept before I'm going to, uh, to my tablet or to my drawing, just to see like, okay, mm -hmm. what do I want to say? And uh, I start with this question. And uh, if you are incapable of answer, it means that uh, maybe uh, maybe you're not ready to draw that drawing. Mm. And uh, for a project, you usually start with, um, okay, what do I want to say? I want to say this. And the next question is, how do I want to say it? And uh, it's like when you start uh, mixing things and uh, drawing things. Mm. And uh, when I was younger, I was really uh, angry at myself when I was like a blank page and I wasn't productive. And then I started to just like embrace those moments that creativity, creativity. When you're working with artists for two or three years, you can't be productive every every day. It's like an right, insane right. amount of work. And uh, yeah. so sometimes there was like there's an artist who say like, oh, today I didn't um, did that much. I was not inspired. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it happens to everyone. Um, tomorrow will be a better day. Mm -hmm. And it's very um, ups and down, even like in a week. So I don't really like to make like um dailies on the amount of work every day to see when it's like a creative job i prefer to have like a bigger lapse of time either like three days or a week because sometimes um you will have like one exceptional days exceptional day and then i don't know maybe monday will suck and then tuesday will be amazing and wednesday and thursday will be just like ah and uh so you just need to live with it. Mm. Right. Um, so like, uh, since you brought up this, uh, about what you're schooling, uh, so like, or you always wanted to be an artist, like since from the beginning or something else? I always, I always wanted to work in cinema since I was a kid. Oh, okay. um, because my parents uh, didn't go to school. My dad left school at 12 years old and my mom left school at 15. But my mom loved cinema and uh, we had like a lot of uh, tape at home, VHS, and um, we were, she allowed me to watch a lot of movies even when I was too young for them. 
and uh, I was going to cinema with my mom as well. And I think that from the beginning, I knew that I wanted to work in cinema. And then around 13 or 14, I knew that I wanted to go in animation. Hmm. So I, it's how I, at 18 years old, after I graduated for high school, from high school, I went into hmm. art school. And uh, it was a completely unknown for my parents, but they supported me. I was really lucky that they were like, mm. okay, you, we trust you, do what you want. Awesome. Wow. So, uh, so like uh, it's towards the end of the podcast. So, so yes, uh, this question is something I really asked uh, to all my guests. I have actually had three or four guests. I have I have actually asked this question with uh, to everyone. So, what are the like three most darkest darkest phase for you, both in like personal life or in artistic way? Like three most darkest time of your life, like where you felt like the thing is happening my way. Uh, so wait, the three darkest moment in an artist life. Yeah. In my life, in your, or in, in your general? in your in your life and your in your life and your artist uh, inside you. Um, I think the feeling of impost. I'm sure everyone saying it. The imposter syndrome. Yeah. The feeling that uh, you suck and everyone is better than you and uh, mm. you don't understand why people are coming to ask you things when there are like one million other people more skilled than you. And I think it's uh, also mostly come from social media because people are sharing what they want to share about their life, but everybody is like having a hard time and it's part of it. But yeah, there's always this moment when you're looking at your drawing and you are very critical with yourself and you're like, ah, oh, that's sick. <laughs> uh, so that's one. I would say second one, it's um, when, at least for me, was in commercial, uh, when I started to have the feeling that I was losing my soul um, mm. in order to please clients and project. And that's also why uh, it made me shift toward the future. Because I was like, oh, I don't want to live my entire life like that. It's, um, I was, after realizing that I could not achieve myself in art through commercials, it like really depressed me a lot. Uh, so that's the second one. And the third one. Uh, the third one was actually after The Little Prince. Um, because... Um, uh, so it was uh, the movie had, had the success and I thought so I was coming from France to North America and I was hoping that maybe after being a production designer on a well-known movie, I would be able to work uh, for the US or to bigger studio. And uh, in fact, uh, I was out of job for several months and uh, my 
my name didn't really cross the border to the US. It kind of stuck in um, in Canada. And um, so I was in a new country and um, there was there's no like creativity work really happening in Canada. It's mostly like a place where you go to make movies. Uh, so the solution was either go to Europe, go back to Europe or go to the US. Um, to find more creativity work, but yeah, um, the movies kind of suffer from a lack of uh, of marketing in the US, and it, it was not really released in the US. So I was waiting for the release of The Little Prince in order to make the portfolio and start uh, talking uh, about the movie, but it never really happened mm. um, <clears throat> until Netflix picked the movie and released it. Uh, to their platform, so that was awesome. Thank you, Netflix. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of a dark period after the Little Prince. I was wondering if I wanted to to continue. Oh, because I've got a fourth one. <laughs> Making the Little Prince was so difficult that mm -hmm. I wanted to quit uh, drawing and painting, and I took a one-way ticket to South America to Ushuaia. Mm -hmm. and I spent four months to travel the South Hemisphere to from Ushuaia to Quito in Ecuador and um, because it was like, a, yeah, it was a difficult experience and I didn't know if I wanted to continue in animation. And I came back to Canada, I was almost broke and I didn't have a job and I didn't find a job <laughs> for, um, for like three or four months. So wow. like in London, I started to work on my stuff in order to remotivate me and keep going and then i i found the job and uh, it started again mm. but yeah right so uh my last question with from you with you uh like i like i am in my 20s in my early 20s and like i feel kind of lost i mean i don't know what i want to do like with my life now i have i'm doing engineering but you know this last year actually uh changed something in me and I believe that uh, believe that same thing have happened to a lot of people in their early twenties, or uh, who are going to start their career, or actually, or have started their career. They have gone through the same phase because of last year. Because if if they are if they are a little bit like me, then they are they are really curious. I am a really curious person. I tried so many things last year. So the thing is, I am really confused, and I know how it feels to be lost at this at this point of life. So like, what's your advice? for everyone, everyone who feels lost at this point of life, at this age. Like you have been through the Luke. same, I, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Look, I have been in the same uh, when I finished The Little Prince. <laughs> and yeah. I just like uh, completely escaped my country, went to another place and uh, I tried to, um, the most important is try to surround yourself with people who are positive and uh, leave you up and uh, motivate you and also to try to have an honest conversation with yourself on mm. oh, what would you what what would I like to do and why would I like to do it and um, um, why and how can I there's no like stupid question. If you need help to something, you better ask. 
And uh, the, if, for example, you want to work in animation, there's a, a community that is here in the social media that is like willing to share artwork of other people and answer questions. And uh, the COVID has also was bad, but the good point is that there's more and more festivals that make their edition online and free. Um, so there was like possibility for artists to connect with other artists in the world or to learn about other and maybe bigger studio or bigger uh, uh, person to be able to talk to each other. <clears throat> Uh, but yes, the most important is to try to motivate yourself, try to ask yourself, what do I like? Uh, what do I love? What do I want to, to do? And sometimes there's also this difficult question to, oh, I like this, like I like movies, but do I want to work in movies or do I just want to watch movies? Um, I kind of I, I asked myself all those questions when I was in South America. Do I want to work in animation? Do I want to be a production designer? Do I want to have like those responsibilities? Am I good at it? Am I, am I a good artist? I think I went through all the questions possible during that time. And um, because I could, I didn't want to draw, I took a lot of pictures. And, uh, yeah. and that's why after each project, I'm going away and I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to do those big travel of three or four months after The Little Prince and then I, I kept this kind of routine to after every big project I'm going away in order to bring back the creativity mm. or to renew the creativity and um, also to have time to ask myself those questions and have to just have time alone with me. Um, it's not always easy, but I think it's a, it's an important uh, moment. Yeah. Um, so I would say, make sure that you got like good supportive people around you. Don't hesitate to communicate and contact other people. And you kind of did it because you contacted me. Yeah. And now we are doing a podcast together. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and uh, mm. there's a lot of like... Uh, paid version of learning things, but there's also a lot of free version of learning things on the internet, mm. on YouTube, or even some artists are sharing process on Instagram. I know that it's kind of weird to think that Instagram is like an art platform, but it is because there's a lot of artists that are sharing yeah. the process of how they are mm. drawing yeah. and uh, how they are painting. So it's like there's a lot of knowledge um, if you find the good hashtag, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so. uh, always uh, hope for um, a better day. You will probably never have the dream job on the first try, um, but it will come with, uh, with mm. a lot of work and never lose uh, faith, never lose yourself, never lose your soul into your work. Well, thanks a lot. So thanks a lot, Celine, for being on this podcast. It's been an honor. I'm mean, like, I never, I never ever thought that you would reply to my DM, and now you are sitting <laughs> like in front of me and talking to me. And it's it's like really a big thing for me, honestly. 
So thanks a lot for being here, for sharing your experience. And I really hope that Over the Moon wins an Oscar. I mean, it's really an amazing movie. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you, Celine.